Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Between Players. My name is Zach, and today I'm going to be doing a kind of a long review of Red Dead Redemption 2 for PlayStation 4. In April of 2020, I finished a playthrough of Red Dead Redemption 2 for the first time. I know I'm terribly late to the party, but this review is mostly going to be my thoughts about the game itself and partly what I would have done to change it. I'm a huge fan of open world games, and if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you know that I play a lot of them. I've played the Ubisoft ones, the Rockstar ones, I play the CD Projekt ones, and each company's design teams have a philosophy and a style that's unique. They all seem to focus on different mechanics to enhance the experience of your virtual chore list. For the moment, Rockstar is chasing the idea that they're making a movie that you play through. Something more cinematic that guides the player's actions more than their contemporaries. And for me, Rockstar adopted this approach to game creation around the time of the fourth Grand Theft Auto game. So that all said, I'm going to go ahead and cut to the chase of what I would give it as a score. And based on my current scale of 0 to 3 points, I would say that Red Dead Redemption 2 lands at a solid 1 for me. I will be spoiling the plot of the game But not yet. First, I need to talk about some of the details of the mechanics and design that are really great. The things that I appreciated about it. So let's set the table in the Old West. It's clear from the moment you start playing the game that Rockstar really loves Westerns. Searching for your lost, wounded companions in a snowy-capped mountain, looking for shelter to recover, lick your wounds, and wait for this blizzard to subside so that you can move down away from the rocky, icy prison. Rockstar wastes no time in introducing you to the cast of characters and the basic conflict and the systems that you're going to use in the game. A ton of care and craft has gone into everything from the catalogs in the general stores when you're purchasing supplies to the feed and horse manicuring that becomes a strangely addictive minigame in and of itself. How the towns are organized around the hotel, the post office, and the general store. How the main street is where all the respectable businesses are. And the back streets are where you'll find junk salesmen and hawkers. There's backroom card games, drunks stumbling along the street, hunger, cold, and heat all create a really immersive, vibrant, and extremely complex world to adapt to. But this is a video game after all. Everything from the wanted system to the train schedules are programmed and exploitable. But that in no way diminishes the fine polish and obvious care that was taken when building each and every one of those systems. Aside from these mechanical wonders, there is the music that is absolutely mind-blowing. Every instrument choice, the dynamic responses to player inputs, like when you're galloping on your horse or entering a gunfight, it just leaves you breathless in wonder at how much effort it took to construct it. I literally could listen to the game for hours. And I'd be remiss if in this criticism I didn't point out the fact that this game is a genuine technical marvel. But for my taste, The best version of Red Dead Redemption 2 that you can play is the online experience. It allows you as a player to really engage in that crafted world and all of the systems that are interconnected in many ways the campaign doesn't really require you to do. 
When I first booted up the online experience, I remember I was dropped into a snowy landscape and I was unable to do much outside of run from shelter to shelter as hypothermia chased me across the snow barren plains. And that feeling of tension, insecurity, or vulnerability was so earned. And even though it was kind of frustrating at first, I felt that it was kind of a brilliant component to the game. They really stuck to the realism that they're trying to give you. But the TLDR is that this is not a review of Red Dead Redemption Online. This review focuses on the main campaign, which I believe suffers from a lack of an editor's touch. And starting here, I'll begin to spoil aspects of the story and what I believe to be the critical issues with the game itself. A great YouTube game reviewer who goes by the handle Nakey Jakey has a very lengthy review that definitely identified some of the things that I felt were wrong with the game overall. And though I don't agree with all his points or even the metaphor he chose to relate them, I think some of our thoughts are shared in terms of what Rockstar thinks is fun and what we think is fun and certainly what I think is fun. So if you don't know anything about Red Dead Redemption 2, and if you haven't played the game, the basic plot revolves around the relationship with and to a band of outlaws who are running from a group of government agency law officers known as the Pinkertons in what is slowly becoming industrialized America. But it starts out primarily in the West. And they are led by a charismatic and morally compromised patriarchal figure named Dutch, who is also a known villain in the original game that came out on the previous generation of game consoles. Throughout the game, you'll be working to keep the game safe, earn money, and deal with the consequences of mostly other people's actions at the behest of Dutch. Now that we've dealt with all the simple stuff, from here on in, it's going to be actually spoiler central. I have two main points that made the game unsatisfying for me. One, Most of the gameplay systems aren't consequential, even though you're forced to use them initially. And two, the loyalty arc for Arthur just didn't really ring true to me. So let's begin with the systems with no consequence. My first criticism of the game has to do with the emphasis on these interesting gameplay systems that initially are your means of survival and income, but then suddenly become forgotten after your first big heist. When the gang sets up its first real base camp after leaving the mountain section, you are forced to hunt and sell animal parts in order to gain enough income to start replenishing the camp and your own supplies. The game is indicating that money is very hard to acquire and everything is super expensive. And that remains true in the early stages of the game. But after the first major robbery you commit, you start to see how easy money can actually be made and how inefficient and kind of empty the hunting and bounty systems are for you as a player. And this goes into one of my axioms in entertainment, which is please respect my time. Don't make me hunt and bounty for four hours only to essentially abandon these things as a source of income for the rest of the game. My second major issue with the game has to do with the relationships between Arthur, Dutch, and the other members of the gang. When discussing this part of the story, the writing and how the characters react with a friend of mine, he offered up the observation that the game is wanting to tell you a story about the cult of personality and how difficult and the difficulty for people to break away when they feel a sense of loyalty to others. As someone who played the first title, I already know something that the other characters in the game don't know. I know that Dutch isn't a good person. 
and try as the writers might to get you to empathize with some of Dutch's decisions or even occasionally allow him to make good ones, I know that in the end, his ego or selfishness or something will ultimately unravel everything and it'll drive a wedge between you and everyone else. Having this information made it very, very hard for me as a player to play as Arthur, who is a person who claims to trust Dutch almost implicitly. It was very jarring. I have empathy for Arthur, but it was like watching a slow motion car crash. I know the car is going to crash. It's going to happen. And I'm just waiting for Arthur to come to the realization that this person is not good for him and will ultimately hurt everyone. And I feel like the game doesn't allow Arthur to come to that realization in a subtle way. Arthur is a super complex and interesting character. He's strong and quiet and compassionate. And ultimately, he is a big brother to everyone he comes in contact with. However, given that, once Micah's character is introduced into the story, I feel like the game doesn't try to mask Dutch's weaknesses to Micah's influence at all. He very clearly respects people who are powerful or bold or even foolhardy. Even if you forego the fact that Micah is an agent secretly working for the Pinkertons, his influence on Dutch seems ludicrous compared to Arthur's, whom Dutch seems to frequently say is his favorite. And this is basically where the game started to lose me and just continued as every mission became a weird contention between Dutch's foolishness and idealism, which is more like selfishness masked by grandiose self-delusion. Arthur has to complete tasks that are supposed to get us to each new safe location that Dutch finds for us. And it turns out, surprise, surprise, that each of those places that and the things that Dutch wants you to do to get there are not safe and are ultimately going to get everyone killed. It's not until very late in the game that people start to rebel and Dutch's true colors are revealed. But even as this is happening, Arthur seems to be unreasonably willing to forgive Dutch's crimes against the group and sometimes against himself. Surrounding the main storyline, there are a ton of medium and small sized characters whose side missions and locations are super fun and interesting. But for me, at the end, they kind of run up ground because in the back of my mind, I know I have to return to the gang. So here's what I would have done to fix the Dutch, Arthur, and Micah problem. Aside from cutting out chunks of the game, such as the section where you're on that island in the Caribbean, which I think is kind of like Cuba or something similar, the thing I would change the most if I were rewriting it would be to alter how Arthur reacts to Micah's addition to the gang. Post-jailbreak, the tension that is expressed by the members of the gang and Arthur should play out as a slow tug-of-war for loyalty. As Micah's influence grows, the gang starts to split between Arthur and Dutch as leaders. There's some hinting of this close to the end of the game, but it's not well-paced, as I mentioned before, until ultimately everything implodes. And I'm not saying the game shouldn't deal with loss or the ideas of bad or abusive family dynamics. But at some point, I was tired of seeing the writing on the wall and I wanted someone who seems as reasonable like Arthur or some other of the side characters to really make decisions to start breaking with Dutch and have there be that tension. 
Following my suggestion, if the game slowly started to break into two halves and there would be a war between them, Dutch could attempt to win people back and Arthur could be a great leader and provider and convince members of the gang to stay with him, which would allow you as a player to genuinely influence the party's size and success based on how you are taking care of them. I think this would better allow you as a player to have a reason to engage with all of those gameplay systems we discussed in the beginning. They're introduced... uh, I think this would better allow you as a player to have a reason to engage with the other uh, world gameplay systems, such as that camp improvement to-do list, hunting, fishing, and bounties. It makes these systems more meaningful in the story because you'd be using them as a way of keeping the party healthy and out of trouble. This would also allow the robbery or outlaw systems to feel more risk-reward. Robbing a train would be very lucrative, but it creates an opportunity for harm to come to your gang, which would affect their loyalty to you. Things like that. I think this would have made the game far more engaging and gratifying as an arc. And you could have a branched ending that still leads to the post-game game with John Marston and his family. So if Arthur's gang wins at the end, then John only faces a few remaining enemies during his arc and he splits from Arthur's group peacefully. But if your gang gets overrun by Dutch, then John has to leave just like he did in the main story in fear. So in closing, Red Dead Redemption 2 ultimately left me disappointed, partly in myself, since what must have been a monumental creative effort just didn't stick the landing for me. I really like it when studios try to build something really interesting and interconnected and and build a world that feels lived in, and this one certainly has a lot of that. I just wasn't a fan of the yarn they spun with the lives of the Vanderlyn gang. Red Dead Redemption 2 is an uncompromisingly beautiful, character-driven vision of the American West, and it delighted me in its aesthetic, but in its story, I could not find purchase. So, thank you, dear listener, for making it to the end of this review. I'm looking forward to your reactions to it. Please uh, at me on Twitter at Between Players, or drop me an email. It's uh, howdy at betweenplayers.com. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>